Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. Uh, She is the uh, financially conscious person in in the whole world of personal finance. Uh, She has a podcast called The Art of Abundance. She has a book out called The Mindful Millionaire, and uh, she's been on the show before, and we're going to have a very interesting conversation about how to be mindful about your money and make it be worth more than just the money itself. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much. Just give us a bit of background on your path to where you are today to kind of open up our conversation. So I'm a certified financial planner, and I left my financial advising business and practice about seven years ago so that I could focus more on the relationship that we have with money. So after having an MBA in finance and working almost 25 years in in financial services, I realized that I was really interested more in the story behind what was going on in people's relationship with money than it was just in helping people manage it. And now I kind of do both in that I have found that in my own spiritual journey that and then helping people with money for all those years, that money is very complicated. And most people kind of run away from the challenges that they have with money or they'd like to. And I'm an odd bird in that I like to lean in to those situations where we feel uncomfortable with our experiences with money and try to get the deeper meanings out of what's actually happening and why. Very good. So uh, it's a tough subject for a lot of people to deal with money. It deals with a lot of the emotions coming up around, like shame and regret and uncertainty and doubt. First of all, maybe why is that happening? And then we can get into what people can do about it. So I think that it happens for a gazillion different reasons, but a lot of the challenges come from the stories that we've been told about money growing up, what was happening in the economic environment when we were growing up what trauma that we may or may not have experienced. You know, maybe we've had a lot of trauma in in our past where, you know, maybe our family um, had trouble with money growing up, or maybe we had a parent who had come from severe poverty and another parent who came from a very different economic situation. And there were a lot of mixed messages that came to us in, in childhood that caused us to really struggle with it later in life. But I've seen that a lot of times the money stories that we have are carrying over from what was happening when we were growing up. Yeah. So you're saying that you can overcome your uh, upbringing situation. You had a poor situation or whatever it may be. You're saying that the mind is strong enough to overcome those obstacles. Is that what you're saying? Definitely. And it has a lot to do with my own experience because simultaneous to my financial career, I have been on a spiritual journey that started in 1999 when my father was brutally murdered. And I found myself trying to get understanding and in not just with my relationship with money at the time, but just my relationship with myself and all of life. And in the course of doing a lot of meditating and looking inside and trying to understand why I suffered as much as I did, both in my youth and later in life, 
I started realizing that the same sort of thing I was doing to help myself also played out in the kind of work that I now do with my clients when it comes to their relationship with money. So tell us a little bit about that journal. You had this horrible thing happen. Uh, you meditated. How did you, I, I guess you don't, overcome is not really the right word, but deal with something like that so you're able to go forward in a positive way. A lot of people get crushed by some negative thing and never really can recover from it. Yeah, and I think I was afraid of that. I mean, it can easily become a situation where we get so jaded by life and by all the upsets that we can't recover. And meditation was the door opener for me, but it wasn't like the only place that I looked. I started realizing, especially in the situation with my father and the situ- you know, him being killed in the way that he did, along the way, I realized that I was holding on to a lot of resentment and um, both to myself and then obviously to his killers and to just life in general. And this feeling that, that I had been victimized and I had been hurt by others. And I, I just started to see because of all those years of meditation, that if I were to continue to hold on to that way of thinking that I'd never be free. And so I had to look more deeply into these ideas of, of, you know, what is it to blame someone for our challenges versus to look inside and say, well, what, what was really going on here? You know, what are the other ways that I can look at this? How could I actually reach a place of, of forgiveness, you know, to myself? In the case of my father, he was, a, I had kind of kicked him out of my life 10 years previous. And so, I felt a lot of guilt that if I had been in his life, then he wouldn't have been killed. You know, there were a lot of different things that I had to look at and come to terms with in order to start to find freedom that yeah. that was important to me. I guess a lot of people, it's a matter of taking responsibility as opposing to wanting to blame somebody else or run away from responsibility. And that's difficult for some people is if they did something wrong uh, or somebody did something wrong to you to kind of hold on to that as opposed to say you just want to run away from the situation I guess it's kind of the natural it's almost like a a fight or flight <laughs> animalistic uh, in, impulse to run away from difficult situations how do you not do that how do you kind of stand up and stay in the fire uh, as opposed to want to run away I think what I learned was that we have to slow down and we have to be more in touch with the feelings that we're having so when people are, you know, when we're having a tendency to blame or when we're feeling like we're being blamed by others, what happens most of the time is we immediately go into avoid, you know, run away, don't, you know, defend myself, you know, all these different things that happen. And I began learning how to accept and admit that things weren't as simple as the egoic mind wants to kind of jump to, you know, like the reaction is I'm going to defend myself or the reaction is I'm going to blame somebody else. And it's really not that simple. And so until you pause and slow down and start to say, well, what's actually really happening here? Like, why do I feel so strongly about this situation? That's when we start to uncover that there's a story happening and we're not actually in control of that story. That story is happening to us and and we're never going to have freedom when that's happening. You say that these money challenges when they come at people, most people are going to want to kind of run away or freak out or something. But in fact, if you look at it a different way, there are opportunities like gold to get better. How how do you take 
a, a difficult money challenge and make it into an opportunity? I think it has a lot to do with, you know, each situation, being able to break it down into, you know, what really happened here. Because the more, I'll say, like, violent or, like, the more um, energized we are about a situation, the more fear is associated with the situation. So we've got to understand where those fears are coming from and what it is that we're so afraid of happening And until we get more understanding of the fear behind all of our reactions, we, we again, are just going to be led by those fears rather than the conscious awareness, which is, which is what's going to change things, which is going to change the response that we have going forward only when we reach that place of awareness. So one of the things you talk about a lot is how uh, money decisions can be made based on the chakras, the seven chakras from the base chakra to the enlightenment chakra, I guess you might say. Um, so why don't you just talk a little bit about that and how understanding the energy fields in the different chakras, understanding them can allow you to make better money decisions. So having been someone who worked in finance for all those years, but was also meditating, I was really curious about different models and frameworks that could help us better understand, rather than just saying I have a money problem, to actually dive deeper into it. And I started noticing that there were trends that my clients, um, both when I was a financial advisor, as, as well as when I became a coach, these patterns that just kept coming up over and over again. And When I found out that I was always inspired by Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and it turns Mm -hmm. out that that was inspired by the chakras, like people don't realize that this goes way back, you know, thousands and thousands of years in the East, I got really curious that maybe these experiences that we were having with money actually coincided with the chakras. And, And once I started really diving into that with my clients and kind of experimenting like a researcher in a laboratory and my clients knew that we were having these conversations like what if this and what if that after a while I started to see that this framework was actually playing out so in the case of like the root chakra it's all about our own personal safety and security mm-hmm. and even if you look back over this past year the root chakra has been heavily activated as a result of covid and the market swings and all the things happening out there, like we're not sure if we're safe. We're not sure if we're going to be secure. Yeah, it's all about survival. Totally. And the typical way we think about survival when we think about money is that we have enough money coming in on a monthly basis to cover our expenses, right? So that's just a basic need that if you don't have that, it's really hard to feel safe. And that's just one of seven different scenarios that I started to notice in in the sacral chakra. It's about worthiness and it's about feeling like you're worthy of not having a ton of debt kind of weighing on you all the time. Like a lot of people get so used to living in debt that they don't realize the toll it's taking on them. And I found out that it had a lot to do with feelings. When we're really in touch with our feelings, we will not allow ourselves to stay in massive amounts of debt. Like it's, it's just like self-abuse actually. Mm -hmm. And so I just started kind of working my way up and saying, Oh, you know, the heart chakra is about being well-paid and feeling very comfortable about the value you create in the world and, and asking people to pay you that value back. It's a sense of worthiness in a certain way, right? 
Yeah, but but translated into our core values as a human being, like when we're living according to our values, which is how I think of the heart chakra, then it's really easy to start to understand the value that we're creating in the world. And I mean, it goes deep, as you can imagine, because it just opens up a whole new level of understanding that we don't normally think about money in all these different ways, but it's actually happening behind the scenes all the time. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. Her website is wealthclinic.com. She's written a book called The Mindful Millionaire, and she's also the host of the Art of Abundance podcast. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. Uh, she is a uh, expert in the mind of money and uh, mindfulness, I guess you might say. Her book is called The Mindful Millionaire. She also has a podcast called The Art of Abundance. 
Uh, you can find out much more about her work at wealthclinic.com. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you. We were talking about the chakras and money, so we talked about the root chakra kind of survival. Why don't we go to the exact opposite side and the kind of enlightenment chakra and the, the, the top of the head. If you're in that place, uh, how does that affect your, your money decisions? So this is all about abundance and prosperity on the other side of the equation. And the way that that plays out in in our relationship with money is freedom from scarcity ways of thinking. You know, scarcity is this idea that there's only a few answers to any given problem that we're facing, whereas prosperity or abundance thinking is that there's many different answers. And as long as I can stay out of the story, stay out of the blame, stay out of the victim, you know, to life, then I can be more um, generous in my ideas and the creation of of the life that I want to be living. So that leads to charitable giving and generosity and giving back and things like that. Is that the kind of practicality of, of living from the uh, the mindfulness chakra? It's one of them, but I think even maybe before you get to the action of, of giving, it's about truly believing that we live in an abundant universe, that our needs are going to be taken care of, and that we don't have to be thinking like, what's in it for me? And how do I take care of myself? That you're flipping that and saying, I refuse to live that way. That's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for the planet. It's not healthy for anyone. So specifically in the times we're in now, where we've had a pandemic, we've had hundreds of thousands of people dying, millions of people sick, uh, lots of people losing their jobs, their businesses being closed, everything that's been going on the last year and a half or so, how can one get to that point of abundance and clarity when there's so much negativity going around? It is not easy. I mean, I think this year has been, you know, I teach this stuff and I've had to return to it again and again because the world is reflecting scarcity everywhere yes. we look. Right. So what do we do? I mean, one of the reasons that I think you and I, we meditate, we spend time looking on the inner experiences of feeling is that we can connect into a bigger source of information than social media, for example. <laughs> like yeah. social media is very limited in its scope. It's about, you know, reactivity. It's about turning the amygdala on, right? It's about, you know, causing us to just run around and be in fear states. And so when we meditate, when we have a source connection, you know, in whatever way you describe that. So if it's God, it's, you know, spiritual beings, it's angels, it's, you know, mother nature, we have to find something that helps to remind us of who we really are and that we are not all of that stuff that's happening out there in the world. I mean, one of the things that's been very interesting about the situation is that lots of people have done really, really well amidst all this poverty and hunger and disease and death and horrible things, many people have really flourished in this environment by adapting to it, and in many cases, giving back and being charitable. Uh, maybe those are the people working out of their top chakra, because lots of people are in survival mode, but it just seems the contrast between the kind of winners and losers and succeed people who've succeeded and flourished and those who have not seems wider than ever during the whole pandemic. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I've been doing a segment for my podcast, interviewing people who have achieved a certain level of financial success that they are giving back a lot. And I'm really curious about that conversation. I'm also really curious, but it's harder to find people who don't have very much and yet still are able to continue giving. You know, that's a really interesting story to me. Tithing, you mean from the, the poor, something like that. Yes. Yes. Um, I want to find out a little bit more about your website, wealthclinic.com. What are some of the resources you offer there? And is there something people can sign up for? Just tell us a little bit more about wealthclinic.com. So one of the things I created uh, several years ago, and I've had you know tens of thousands of people take as a quiz that gives you a quick sense of like what, what a chakra might be out of balance for you. And so that's on the homepage of the wealthclinic.com. But I am definitely someone who likes to create lots of materials, so meditations, um, interviews, uh, blog posts. I'm constantly creating material. I also have a YouTube channel where I want to invite people to think more deeply about the things that the challenges that they have with money and how they might look at them more deeply and also what can they do to help themselves move beyond those stuck points. Yeah. You say that society, to some extent, has become coarser, um, and it's become harder and harder to kind of get understanding and tolerance and forgiving in that kind of environment. What we even saw recently with the attack on the capital is all about coarseness. It's not about understanding the other side. It's about we're right and you're wrong, basically. So in that environment, how do you overcome this kind of coarseness of society? And it has financial implications as well. Most definitely. I just had a post yesterday where I was celebrating, you know, one of the new senators from from Georgia. And it was like a very simple post. And of course, you get folks commenting on social media. And before you know it, there was this back and forth and I was being dragged into it. Like, (laughs) why didn't you ask this question? You know, even though I had started it as being sympathetic and excited, all of a sudden I was made into a bad person. And and I said to the person, I said, here's the deal. The difference between what you're doing with me and how I show up in the world is I don't rush to judgment. I find no good thing of me assuming what other people think and believe. I don't think that's helping us anymore. You know, like it, it never really did. But there was a thought that if you get on the bandwagon and you start to label other people as bad, then there's no end to it. You know, I've, I've definitely this year had to be looking at this, right? That which mm-hmm. side are you on? And do you even pick a side? And can you still remain engaged and, and talking about this stuff without having to necessarily say one group is bad and one group is wrong? I feel like that's where the difference comes is being able to say just because we often feel like we should choose sides and we should get on one bandwagon, I'm choosing not to go about it that way because more division only leads to more division. Yeah. Well, we're seeing society split that way. So let's talk particularly in the money realm. So for example, in investing, uh, people, the whole ESG movement and wanting to support companies that do things you like and not support companies that don't do things you like, that's kind of like a us versus them. I'm not going to ever invest in an oil company or a tobacco company or a, a gambling company, the so-called sin stocks. 
And some people do the opposite. I want to invest in, in stocks <laughs> support them for them. So that's kind of in the money world, the kind of us versus them. How, do, how does one deal with that? Yeah, I think that we've got to look at the values that we have as a human being and at the same time be cognizant that our values, I think as a, a is someone who drives a car, right, shows up and and lives life in, in today's times, it's pretty much impossible to completely disassociate yourself from things that our values might not necessar- necessarily be in alignment with. But it doesn't mean that we can't try to make the world a better place, that we can't make different choices. And I think one way that people can easily make different choices is by the investments that they choose to, you know, put their money towards. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you're you're like you become righteous because, oh, you know, those bad people are doing you know this, and I refuse to do that. It's like again, all roads lead back to yourself and your own getting alignment with who you are and the fact that there are some things that you probably do today that you might not want to invest in the oil companies, but you do drive a car. And let's just allow all of that to be present. Does that make is sense? That, is that something that guides your investment philosophy is ESG and how they treat their employees and how they treat the environment? And is that a, a, a component in how you recommend investments? Yes, uh, because my values over time have become more and more important to me. I think the more I've spent looking inside and also thinking about the future of the planet, those are things that that matter to me. And I want to invest in companies that, you know, care about that sort of thing. Yeah, it it makes me feel better. Um, it's not perfect. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it's one way. Is there a practical way to find companies? Uh, that you know are environmentally sensitive and are not. Are there's a ranking system, or if people want to be more conscious about their investments in that way, how can you help them do that? So one of the ways that I do it personally is finding advisors who focus on this particular area, so socially responsible, environmentally sensitive, um, and and teaming with them, you know, or asking them questions or following their blogs and listening to what they're recommending. What I'm super excited about is now there seems to be more movement towards these um, robo solutions, right? So you don't have necessarily a financial advisor at your disposal, but these robo solutions that are leaning more to creating socially responsible investments that bring the cost down because in the past you've had to have an advisor um, or you just go out and select a mutual fund or an ETF. But in this case, you can you can get a blended uh, investment portfolio focused on socially responsible without having necessarily the costs associated. Is there a particular robo-advisor that does this that you like? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm working with Peter Kroll. Um, he has just recently developed a solution. And so I'm actually looking at putting some money in that because I don't like to tell people about things unless I'm actually doing it myself. And, and so I'm super excited because it just recently launched and... Uh, He's one of those examples, but I've seen others out there, too. Great. Terrific. All right. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. Uh, she helps people transform their relationship with money. Her book is called The Mindful Millionaire. Her podcast is called The Art of Abundance. And you can find out much more about Lisa at her website, wealthclinic.com. We'll be back after this. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She helps people transform their relationship with money. Her uh, book is called The Mindful Millionaire. Uh, her podcast is called The Art of Abundance, and you can find out more about Lisa at her website, wealthclinic.com. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you. So one of the things that is your theme is about forgiveness, and uh, people make mistakes in their financial lives all the time and can be very hard on themselves, whether it be getting into too much debt or bankruptcy or losing their job or bad investments. Go through the process of forgiveness so you're able to kind of move forward when something has gone bad. So I think people have a lot of different ideas about forgiveness. And I first just want to say that we could never be told to forgive, that it's something that can only come from our own side. And, you know, one reason that we might choose to look into forgiveness is because we have that realization that this is serving as some kind of poison inside of myself and that 
only through looking at forgiveness may I actually find myself on the other side where this isn't, you know, coming up on a regular basis or causing me a great deal of pain. So I think that most people enter into forgiveness because they're so tired of feeling a certain way, anger, frustration, regret, guilt. You know, you talked about those in the beginning. You just realize it's time to look at it. And I think that's huge because that could take years before we're even ready to do mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, in my own situation, I had something that went wrong. And not that I knew it was going to go wrong, but it did. And uh, some people got hurt, and I was not happy about it at all. And I've had to forgive myself a little bit because the last thing I ever want to do is to hurt anybody. And I recommended something which worked out really well for a long time, and then all of a sudden it didn't. And, uh, you know, some people forgive me, some people don't. <laughs> but it's not been easy to deal with because I've always got the best of intentions. And when other people do things that I don't control that still hurt people, it's, it's, uh, it's painful. Well, I appreciate you um, bringing that up because I think what I was really intrigued by was having a, you know, transparent conversation about some of this because I know that I have gained so much by kind of looking at these situations in my past and mistakes I've made or, you know, one example I'll say is I was a mortgage banker in the lead up to... um, you know, the whole fallout in Mm -hmm. 2007 and 2008. And, you know, I can say now, even though for years it it haunted me, was I did stated income loans. And Mm -hmm. anyone who did stated income loans, you know, whether you've looked at it or not, I'm just going to say that there's a bit of self-deception going on. And that is you know, part of the reason I walked away from the whole financial, you know, services business in general was I saw so much self-deception happening at the professional level that it was hard for me because I didn't feel like I could live according to my values in the industry. So I just want to say that as we dive into any conversation about this, like, I don't think anyone's immune from making mistakes yes. in, in the past with money. And and my hope was that if we could talk about this a little bit, not only can it help us, but it can also help your listeners to just think right. about times when they may have either been hurt by others, right? By um, most people feel like there's a situation where they've been victimized, especially around money, by someone else, or in the other on the other side where they feel like they might have hurt people, you know, right. not on purpose. Right. Well, that's what happened in my case is I was recommending something called Woodbridge Wealth, which was a commercial bridge loans, which was helping lots of people uh, earn a nice income, monthly income for years. Everything was going beautiful. And then one day out of the blue, like a lightning strike, they declared bankruptcy and the SEC went after them saying they were a, a Ponzi scheme and nobody had any clue, certainly me, that there was any problem whatsoever. Um, and literally thousands, I think it was like 9,000 people uh, we're invested in it and over a billion dollars and all those reliable checks just disappeared. And, and I didn't do all 9,000. Maybe I did a thousand of the people or something, but I felt absolutely horrible to have something like that happen and uh, did what I could to help people recover. In fact, some people have recovered 40, 50% of their principal and through the bankruptcy, but the emotional toll uh, is, is pretty high when you have reputation and every. The reason people invested in it is because 
I said it was good, and in fact, it was good for many, many years. But then when that turned out not to be, everybody turns on you later and said you should have known, and SEC comes after you, and all kinds of crazy things happen that you had no anticipation was coming. So how would you deal with a, a situation like that emotionally? Uh, I, I didn't run away from it. I, I, I faced it, but it was still emotionally painful to, to deal with something like that. Yeah, I'm curious, like, what have been some of the things that you've done to help yourself forgive forgive that part of you that didn't know what was going to happen? Well, I'm, I know the truth. <laughs> the truth is that I had no clue there was any problem, nor did about 500 other financial advisors uh, who recommended them and doing deep due diligence and you do the best you can. And the, to me, the ultimate due diligence is, are people getting paid? And they were getting paid on time, like clockwork, electronically, first of the month, for years. And so what more due diligence can you do than actual performance? <laughs> so it doesn't make it right, but uh, I felt I did everything I could and, in fact, delivered. And in this case, it was a one-year bridge loan. And uh, after a year, it would mature. And like 95% of the people I would recommend to it would renew because I had such a great experience. So it's, it's a big psychological shock when everything's going perfectly well. Everybody's super happy. They think you're a hero. And then the next second, lights go out and you're a villain for having no knowledge of it. I think the thing that is a little bit different maybe than than what's happened for you thus far and just looking in my own experience is that let's take, it's always easier to do this kind of thing when it's someone else. So I'm going to put myself up because, (laughs) right. So like, let's be clear, you know, and I don't think there's that many differences between what I experienced doing stated income loans and what you experienced in your experience, you know, with, with the company that, that you were recommending. There was an industry that was endorsing this, these loans that I happened to work inside of. And the problem that we face with, with this money stuff is that yes, I was working somewhere where they had created these instruments, but there was a moment in time that comes, that happens for us. And it it can come from so many different backgrounds and we don't even have to get into it so much, Jordan, but I want to help people just understand that the only way that I could move beyond the fact that I had something to do with what happened with people getting loans that they ultimately couldn't afford was I had to look inside of myself and no longer push out the blame to the industry or mm. to to the fact that I needed that paycheck or you know there's a gazillion reasons I could justify why it happened but I was never going to be free when I was pushing that out to all these other things the only time that things started to change was when I looked inside of myself and I saw some patterns of things that had happened when I was a kid that were actually translating into the moment of me making the decision to do state and income loans and not quitting my job for example when I saw what was going on. At the time when you were doing state, you, there was some gut feeling that this isn't right. Is, is that right? And you just kind totally. of ignored it. Totally. Yes. As did everybody else in the industry. They wanted to make a paycheck. They're making tons of money. It's like just overlook any, any, any dark side of this thing. 
Yeah, and that's what we do as human beings. We engage in some way, shape, or form, and I feel like I can speak to this because I've worked with thousands of people about this. Everyone is deceiving themselves in one way or another as it pertains to money. You may not want to look at it. That's okay. But if you want true freedom with money, you're going to have to start looking at some of these things. Because the reason that the financial services world, I think for many of us, and like I said, I had to walk away from it, is not really seen in as favorable light as we would like is because this money deception shows up all over the place. People have a sense that something's not totally right, but they move forward because there's a payoff, there's a paycheck, there's money involved. Like you fill in the blanks. We all do it. And that's the thing that we're not we're not totally honest with ourselves about. And until we get really honest with ourselves, we won't be free of the thing. So what would be an example today, you think, of a deception? I mean, in that case, it was... Uh, people could afford these mortgages that clearly they couldn't. In the case of me, the deception was this, they're going to pay on time as they have been for many, many years and everybody's going to do well and it's not going to end badly. What would be an, another example of a current deception that people are kind of overlooking today in order to earn a paycheck? So, you know, I'll pick on one because I'm a certified financial planner. And this is one of the things that, like, I don't manage people's money. So it's easier for me to pick on this one. But there's a big movement towards, like, fiduciary. And, like, you want to hire people who um, are going to be just totally straight up with you. But the industry has this pattern of, like, let's say you have a million dollars and you're paying 1% on that million dollars on an annual basis to manage your money. Well, if you have $100,000 and you're paying 1%, that's a different incentive than somebody paying 1% on a million dollars. But nobody talks about the fact that the industry is still constructed in a little bit of a form of deception in that is it really 10 times as much work to do the same exact portfolio for a million dollars as opposed to a hundred thousand? Not really. But we all assume, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So there's deception all over the place. Yeah. And these are the things that I just really struggled with after a while. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She helps people transform their relationship with money. Her book is called The Mindful Millionaire. Her podcast called The Art of Abundance. And you can find out all about Lisa at her website, wealthclinic.com. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. 
Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She helps people transform their relationship with money. Her book is called The Mindful Millionaire. Her podcast is called The Art of Abundance, and you can find out more at her website, wealthclinic.com. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you. So how can people come to terms with themselves when something has gone dreadfully wrong? And whether they intended it or they didn't intend it, it went wrong, it hurt people. What's the process of kind of recovery from that? So we talked about forgiveness, but I think the stage beyond forgiveness or maybe what happens inside of that process of forgiving yourself or forgiving other people is coming to this moment of realization that we are responsible for the life that we're living, for the life that we're creating, and for all parts of it. It doesn't mean that we're saying, I'm to blame Taking responsibility is different than that. It's a very accepting, allowing, non-judgmental state of awareness. And when we take full responsibility, the cool thing about it, and I think this is where our times are moving us collectively, is at some point we realize that the only place we're going to gain freedom is to actually be completely responsible for the life we're living. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't want to take responsibility. It's too hard. And they're taught at school, in many cases, not to take responsibility. Just follow what the teacher says to do, right? And they're not taught to be independent in a certain way. They're taught to kind of follow instructions. Um, people are taught to be workers, not to be entrepreneurs, right? So responsibility is the boss's thing, and I just do what he tells me to do. So that's a, a difficult mindset for a lot of people to take responsibility. 
It really is. And I have extreme compassion for it because if it weren't for me working on this for the past 21 years, I couldn't have said what I just said. Mm. Um, One way we can do it is when we get into these situations and we can calm down and kind of be willing to look more deeply in them is to ask ourselves the question, you know, what have I learned from this situation that has actually been helpful to my life? Yeah. And I think that's, in my case, uh, I've learned a lot from the whole Woodbridge situation. What I thought was perfectly helpful to a lot of people turned out not to be. And I've looked inside and what there were maybe some little signs, not too many, uh, that this wasn't going, going well. But uh, when everything's going well, you don't want to upset the apple cart. And so that's difficult to, when everything's going smoothly, to look for the underside and look for what could go wrong. Because you don't want to upset the apple cart. And also, you know, back to the root chakra, like, let's just give it some attention. The fact that each and every one of us do have survival tendencies. Like, we focus on, you know, is there enough money coming in? Am I going to be okay financially? Is this going to, am I going to put myself in harm's way? Like, those are biological responses to being human and we can't discount them. And I think that that's one of the things that comes up when we find ourselves in situations. You know, I go back to when I was doing those loans, I didn't know they existed. I didn't even know I left a really big job in a bank because the corporate world was not a good place for me. And I, I walked into a mortgage and underwriting and, and mortgage position. And the third or fourth day on the job, they told me about stated income loans. And I went into the bathroom and I almost barfed because <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I just left a very import- big job with a huge bank for a job that I'm not actually sure I can do. And I did it you know, I continued forward. I was like, well, I can make this work. You know, like my family is depending on this. Like that's, that is a root chakra thing. Like we're like, we're just going to do what we have to do. At some point in life, you know, those things don't end up working out for us. You know, you're saying with your consciousness today, Mm -hmm. if you had the same choice today, knowing what you know about state income loans, you would not have done it today. I would have quit my job in the moment. I would have said, you know what, this isn't a good place for me. And I would have gone and figured something out something out to do different. So you think a lot of people in that situation where they're doing something they don't really believe in, but they're doing it to survive. Yes. That's a yes. big shame. I know. <laughs> but a lot this of is that would, would, would be a tremendous burden on them knowing they're not doing something right. Well, it's subtle. We get so used to like just doing the thing that we have to do. I mean, this goes, you know, we, I talked about values and, in jobs, many of the jobs that we work in, I would say it's more of the exception than the rule that we're we're living according to the company's values, not necessarily to our own values. So uh, what can you do about that? I mean, can you work it out within the company or do you always have to leave? I think that each person can find their own path, even just discovering that, gosh, there is some things here that don't really work in alignment with like who who I am and who I want to be. Sometimes, you know, we can be a change maker in the organization. Sometimes we can just be a change maker in the environment or the department or the group of people that we work with. And we can say, hey, can we have a really transparent, honest conversation about some things that are happening here that don't make me happy, that make it hard yeah. for me to come to work every day? 
It doesn't have to be drastic. We don't have to quit our jobs. But I've just found that when we pay more attention, we are given um, benefits that we would have never asked for had we not paid attention. Yeah. So you're saying there's kind of this dichotomy between seeing things as right and wrong or victim or blamer or wrongdoer or perfect. You don't have to kind of be one or the other is what you're saying. No, I think we're all of the above. And the sooner we admit that we've been in all those situations in the past, we start to give ourselves more forgiveness. We start to say, hey, I'm doing the best I can. I mean, that's really the most important thing. No matter what we've done in the past, no matter what we do in the future, the truth is, is we are always doing the best that we can. Not everybody. (laughs) Well, you know what? That's see, that's where the judgment comes in. Because I mean, again, I've we don't have enough time to go into it, but I will say that when we see the parts of ourselves that, you know, we're not so proud of and we start accepting that there's some things that we do or say or whatever, we give ourselves more compassion. We start to realize that we we also do the same for other people and we stop becoming as judgmental about other people's stuff and we start giving more grace to ourselves and to others. It's really that simple. As we sum up here, kind of tell people what difference it will make in their life to to be mindful about money, to, to all the things we've talked about the last hour. What is the payoff for people? So when we see beyond the victim and the blamer, the right and the wrong, you know, the wrongdoer or the perfect person, and we become able to notice how the human condition is about learning and making mistakes and falling down and getting back up again, we realize that we are actually a lot more free in our hearts and our minds. And I think that that translates into our relationship with money. So that freedom could lead to financial freedom as well. It's not just emotional. That's what it's given to me. Like, it's not about the money. It's about the freedom from the fear and all of this other stuff we've been talking about that really brings true freedom into my life. And that's more true than ever today when there is so much fear and uh, lack and and, uh, survival thinking going on, I guess you might say. I mean, particularly today, to be in that place of freedom uh, is is quite a rare thing, I think. Most definitely. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Lisa Peterson. She helps people transform their relationship with money. Her book is called The Mindful Millionaire. Uh, her, her podcast is called The Art of Abundance. And you can find out more about Lisa and her work at her website, wealthclinic.com. Thanks so much for a very interesting conversation, Lisa. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.